Welcome to the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology. I'm Bill Yates, the Editor-in-Chief of the Journal, and today we are discussing a recently accepted paper entitled Developmental Regulation of Inhibitory Synaptic Currents in the Dorsal Motor Nucleus of the Vagus in the Rat. Before we begin, let's have our guests introduce themselves. Good morning. My name is Kirstine Browning. I'm an Associate Professor in the Department of Neural and Behavioral Sciences at Penn State College of Medicine. And my research focuses on vagal-vagal control of um, autonomic, particularly gastrointestinal functions. Hi, my name is Caitlin McMenamin. I'm a fourth-year graduate student at Penn State College of Medicine. I'm studying the GABA and glycine current in the NTS-DMV synapse, which we will be talking about today. Hi, my name is David Mendelowitz. I'm a professor at George Washington University, and my specialization is how the brain controls cardiorespiratory function. Kirsten, Caitlin, and David, thank you for joining us here today. To get us started, could you give us a brief overview of your study? What did you do and why did you do it? So this study focuses on narrowing down the important time points in maturation of inhibitory networks to dorsal motor nucleus of the vagus neurons, which are known to supply the preganglionic parasympathetic innervation to subdiaphragmatic viscera. In particular, we are interested in the inputs to the dorsal motor nucleus of the vagus neurons from the adjacent nucleus of the tractus solitarius because it provides the major source of synaptic input to these neurons. So it has a very important role in regulating their neuronal activity. So we used wholesale patch clamp recordings from these um, DMV neurons in rats from postnatal days 1 through 30, which is typically equivalent to the last trimester in humans to examine the developmental maturation of this synapse and changes in inhibitory neurotransmission. And what we were um, aiming with this study was to look at the normal developmental stages of synaptic maturation in this nucleus so that we then may be able to determine if early life events modulate this developmental programming within this um, brainstem synapse. So, Caitlin, could you tell us the major findings of this work? The major findings of this work, we think, are in covering the specific time points at which the inhibitory synapses normally develop and neurocircuits uh, when they mature into their adult form. For example, we found at birth inhibitory transmission to DMV neurons uses both GABA and glycine as neurotransmitters, but glycinergic transmission downregulates around postnatal day 13, switching to a more predominant GABAergic current, which is used in adulthood. We also found that around P8 is when there's a drastic change in the chloride reversal potential, suggesting that there's an upregulation of these KCC2 transporters around this time. Therefore, inhibitory neurotransmitters such as GABA and glycine are excitatory before P8 and inhibitory after P8. In addition, we found that glycine receptors are still present on DMV neurons into maturity, but there's no tonic current of these receptors, suggesting that there's no release of glycine onto these neurons. This is a little bit unusual to have a mismatch of receptors and transmitters, but it's not unheard of within the CNS. What do you think the consequences of this developmental transition that you found from basically where glycine was very important at a very early age and then transitioned away from being important and GABA sort of became more important as the development occurred? Some consequences of the transition from glycinergic to GABAergic transmission would be the intensity and the duration of inhibition of the postsynaptic neuron, and in our case, the DMV. Now, GABA and glycine receptors and the currents are very similar in that they're both heteropentameric ligand-gated chloride channels. 
So therefore, activation of these receptors would still result in an inhibition of the DMV neuron. Now, glycine currents have a faster phenotype, while GABA currents tend to be relatively slower and more prolonged. So during development, it's also known that GABA currents naturally become faster due to maturation of the receptor subunits. Having both GABA and glycine as neurotransmitters may allow fine-tuning of inhibitory synaptic transmission and increase the temporal window for synaptic inhibition, which may modulate integration of neuronal signaling. As glycine is lost as a neurotransmitter through development, this may suggest the temporal window for synaptic integration is closed or reduced. So these interesting changes that you're seeing, do you think that it's relatively unique to cells in the dorsal motor? or other cells in the brainstem? Or, you know, do you think this is relatively a common occurrence among many different motor neuron populations? Now, reorganization of the inhibitory circuitry in the perinatal period is common in areas of the CNS, such as the spinal cord, brainstem medulla, or also in the cerebellar cortex. So as an example, switching from GABA and glycine to purely GABAergic use as the inhibitory neurotransmitter occurs around P6 to 8 in the abducens nucleus, around P10 in the hypoglossal nucleus, and around P14 or 15 in the medial nucleus of the trapezoid body. So it really appears that this is a common mechanism within the first two weeks of postnatal life, although the timing appears to vary between the nuclei. Some areas will appear to have co-release of GABA-glycine at birth and will transition to having independent GABA-only release and vice versa. At birth, inhibitory circuitry may function completely differently in a mature nervous system, not the least of which is both GABA and glycine are excitatory in the first postnatal period. Also, maturation of ion transporter receptor subunits, number of receptors, is an ongoing process during the developmental stages all of which imply that the function of mature neurocircuits may be radically different than from the early postnatal life. These developmental changes are thought to be involved in synaptic generation, variation, and fine-tuning of motor neurons in the brainstem involved in homeostatic reflexes influencing gastrointestinal, cardiovascular, and respiratory functions. Well, that was very interesting. Thank you very much. I guess one thing I'm curious about is how does this fit in or how, do, how would you put this in the context of diseases that are occurring within the GI system that are involving these neurons during this developmental period? Now, the current study really focuses on the normal development and time points where inhibitory transmission is transitioned into this mature phenotype. By investigating these time points, we can then examine if genetic or environmental influences which modulate this transmission could possibly lead to some alterations in GI or other autonomic functions in adults. In addition, these two postnatal weeks could represent a critical time period where the impact of the environment may influence the maturation of inhibitory networks. Now, studies have examined the effects of neonatal stress, for example, such as maternal separation, on autonomic neurocircuitry and have found alterations in both presynaptic as well as postsynaptic responses. Also, the activity of glycine and GABA receptors are known to be modulated extensively by allosteric modulators such as estrogen, alcohol, or benzodiazepines. And interactions with these receptors during the early postnatal time period can alter synaptic inhibition and integration in these neurons. Therefore, this is a vulnerable time period that may be important for neurocircuit maturation. Pathological consequences of the development of GABA and glycine receptors and neurotransmitter release have yet to be elucidated, but they are promising candidates for future research. This may offer some explanations as to why some pathological conditions may modulate the development of inhibitory synapses and even neurocircuit formation. 
So it sounds like things are actually considerably complicated. And at the same time, these intricacies are sort of vulnerable to changes at this developmental period. So in, in your sort of, you know, next stage, what do you think you're going to focus on? So I really want to focus on applying the developmental stages to pathological conditions. So in my case, our lab really focuses on a perinatal high-fat diet. So we really want to look at how this high-fat diet during the developmental stages that we're studying in this uh, paper here and how they will affect the transition from GABA glycine use to just GABA use in mature neurons. So are there any differences in these neurons that have been exposed to the high-fat diet? I'd like to thank our guests for participating in today's discussion of the article, Developmental Regulation of Inhibitory Synaptic Currents in the Dorsomotor Nucleus of the Vagus in the Rat, part of the podcast series for the Journal of Neurophysiology.